You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. <laughs> It's Halloween Movie Month here on 80s Revisited. <laughs> And now your host, Trey Harris. In this quiet community of simple farmers, untouched by time, a gruesome secret has been protected for generations. Into this world, And that secret is a whole bunch of crazy crap that we're about to get into right here on the next Halloween Horror Hootenanny of Terror and all that other kind of stuff episode of 80s Revisited. Of course, I am your host, Trey Harris. With me as always... The uh, Hittite, I'm the farmer and my neighboring Hittite, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And that makes no sense even to me, and I just said it. But if you've seen the movie, you'll kind of get where I was I was going with it. But that's right. We're talking about the Wes Craven classic? Who's putting the question marks on the prompter? Uh, Deadly Blessing. Uh, this, uh, this is the first time I watched this movie, to be honest with you. Uh, I wanted to see it for a long time because I'd heard about it being kind of like, oh, you, you know, pretty much I've seen, I've seen every other Wes Craven movie except this one, and I'm not going to see the the drama one he made uh, with uh, Gloria Estefan, uh, Music of the Heart, because hmm. I don't care about watching a movie about music class. That's just hmm. not me. Hey, it's, it might be a good movie. I'm just saying. No offense to music teachers, because I know Jesse's married to one. Uh, so I gotta I gotta I gotta cover my base real quick. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. That's our favorite uh, movie. Get... <laughs> oh, yeah, yikes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, maybe she can tell me what's, why it's worth watching. But yeah, this is this is honestly, the in terms of Wes Craven's uh, horror uh, stuff, this is the only movie of his that I haven't seen in that regard. Uh, and I think probably the only movie of his theatrical – he's done TV stuff too. Only theatrical movie I think I haven't seen other than – That, like I said, the aforementioned Music of the Heart. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Music of the Heart. We're here to talk about that that uh, that that thing that the heart pumps, blood, because it's Halloween horror. And uh, let's get the who, what, when, where, why, because I got a lot of thoughts about this movie. And let's just get it. Let's get the uh, the base laid down first. Released August 14th, 1981. So early, early 80s, and it shows. IMDb, 5.6, little high. Rotten Tomatoes, 14% critics, 28% audience. That's a little more little more in line. Uh, budget was $2.5 estimated, which seems a lot for this movie to me, from what you see on screen. Could not find any info about opening. However, I do, from what I could find, because the farther you go back, the harder it is to find like opening weekend information and stuff. But apparently it opened the same weekend as Student Bodies, and that was number one at the box office. That's all I could kind of find out from uh, Google fooling my way through this. However, it has a total domestic gross of 8.2, so it still made money. So it didn't like put Wes in the doghouse, so to speak. Uh, but nevertheless, like as we know, it was written. This one was written and directed by Craven. Uh, he did the screenplay. Some other guys did the story, but not going to worry about them for the sake of this movie. They might not. They might be doing them a favor, actually. But of course, Wes Craven directing every other movie we're doing this month. Uh, but of course, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes, Nightmare One Three, and New Nightmare, Scream. Uh, you know, legendary, legendary director. Uh, when you watch this movie, you don't know why. But uh, we'll talk about that in just a second. But writer, he also he he's written a lot of the stuff that he's directed. Uh, pretty much what I've previously say, uh, said. Uh, cinematography in this film was Robert C. Jessup. He also did the Chuck Norris classic, Silent Rage, and Porky's Revenge. So 
we're already not off to a good start here. Uh, but uh, starring uh, Marin Jensen as Martha. She was best known from a, as a recurring character in the OG Battlestar Galactica series. Susan Buckner was Vicky. She was in Greece and Police Academy 6, but uncredited. or uh, It was like a bit role in Police Academy 6, like a dancer or something like that. Jeff East was John. He's... He's got uh he's got some good cred to him. He was young Clark Kent in the original Superman, the Donner, Richard Donner Superman, Christopher Reeve Superman, my Superman. Uh, and he also was in Pumpkinhead, so he's a veteran of the podcast actually. Douglas Barr was Jim. He was in Space Invaders, which is an early '90s film that, as a kid, I absolutely loved. It was like four hip, cool, funny aliens crash land on Earth, and they got to get back. Typical, you know, trope for uh, those kind of movies, kids movie, like I said. Couple of adult jokes. Haven't seen it in forever, but this is not '90s revisited, so I have to save it for the the next iteration of the podcast. Mm. But he was also in. Uh, he was a, rec- a recurring character on the Fall Guy, uh, the TV show. Lisa Hartman was Faith. She was she was a big character in Knots Landing, for a while, and apparently she was recently on The Masked Singer. So I gotta mention I know these the hard that show. once more. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I just love the P. If you're friends right. with P, you're friends <laughs> with tree. All right. Sorry about that. Anyway, okay. Michael Berryman, the legendary uh, Michael Berryman, is William. Uh, of course, Hills Have Eyes, Weird Science. Uh, he's that He's that very distinctive look actor. Like, uh, yeah, I know he was, he was born with a condition or somebody. I think he, he doesn't have any hair at all, like no eyebrows or anything. If you saw his face, you know exactly what I'm talking about if you don't recognize the name. But very, very legendary horror actor. He's the one in Weird Science at the end where he's like, please don't tell anybody about this. I don't want to lose my teaching job. Something along those lines. That's him. Uh, and the legendary Ernest Borgnine as Isaiah, of course, the Poseidon adventure, one of my favorite movies of all time. And he was a veteran of the podcast because he was in Escape from New York. He was the cabbie, in case you forgot. Uh, but, of course, legendary, fa- very famous actor, boisterous, loud, You know, always kind of played himself for the most part. But nevertheless, a very, very uh, famous actor. Somebody get this guy a hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, this was actually the first film of another soon to or eventual, I would say, legendary actress in the form of Sharon Stone as Lana. Of course, Basic Instinct, Total Recall, The Specialist. She's been in a ton of stuff and obviously – after this movie, this this movie is not the reason she got famous, obviously, uh, but of course, you know, legendary, you know, pretty much with Basic Instinct, she became a household name because of that scene. And if you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. If not, kids, ask your parents, mm-hmm. just uh, specifically your dad, <laughs> or if you got two dads, ask either one of them. Uh, anyway, uh, now again about the movie. This is the first time I saw it. All I knew was that it's Sharon Stone's first movie, and it's like Amish horror. Now, uh, I, I'm not going to necessarily say I would recommend you see this movie if you haven't seen it. And if you want to complete your filmography saying you've seen every Wes Craven movie, absolutely. Uh, the cover of the movie is pretty hot, uh, and that's about the best thing I can say about it. <laughs> but uh, So basically I went into it thinking that, and it starts off, you know, okay, they're setting stuff up. Uh, but it, uh, what I was getting at, let me, I got a little ahead of myself. I got a, one sentence ahead of myself. I'm going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Not that I think it necessarily hurts it if it was spoiled, but just so you know, if you do want to see it and you want to go in completely not knowing anything about it, turn it, you know, we'll see you next, you know, go watch it and we'll catch you when you come back. Okay, anyway, 
this movie has about four different plot lines going at one time, and none of them go together. So it starts off where uh, these neighbors are like just they're, they're, there's this community they call them Hittites. Uh, they're basically the Amish, and they're next door to this other family who we find out used to be part of the. Uh, it's not. I guess you'd call it a cult. I guess that's a little extreme, but uh, community uh, is a better word, I'm sure. And then they broke off because you know it's the kind of religious community. Like you don't, you don't ride on a tractor. That's wrong. It's machines. You don't do that. Go back to your work, or you're you're doing the devil's work. Kind of you know very. I mean, it's it's basically Amish. I mean, they dress like the Amish. They have the beard. You know the 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 beards like from Weird Al's Amish Paradise and Kingpin music video. You know, I mean uh, the Kingpin movie. You know, very movie typical Amish basically and then uh, basically you have another, this other these other neighbors uh, who were there too and they you know they kind of show them in the beginning they, you kind of forget about them for a while but Michael Berryman like keeps uh, harassing this the other neighbor girl like calling her an incubus like you're an incubus blah 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 you're the devil blah 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 so you got this kind of okay the Amish these there's something creepy about the Amish and I'm I'm saying it's Amish if you're Amish which you wouldn't be because you wouldn't be listening to this podcast <laughs> if you were Amish, uh, but no offense to the Amish I'm just saying that for the sake of the Hittites is what is they're called in the movie so if I say Amish I mean the Hittites. So anyway so they're like uh oh yeah blah 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 and then that night the husband of the neighbors of the the husband who used to be in the community is murdered the tractor crushes him you don't know who did it though so and then. You know, you kind of go from there. Like, you have all these interactions with the community and uh, Martha, the widow now, and then her friends Lana, Sharon Stone, and Vicky uh, come over to like. Let's say, so you have the three women at the farmhouse now, next to the community, and the other two girls that are, you know, a little, you know, the next house over too. So that's kind of the setup. And then Sharon Stone just shows up, crazy as fuck. She's having all these dreams about eating spiders and this gray man doing stuff to her. So you got that plot line, and then you got uh, like there's all this first person stuff happening to where Michael Berryman gets murdered while he's peeping Tom on Martha. So you know there's like a, there's some random slasher killer out there somewhere. That's all you know. You don't know who it is, but you know the movie makes you think think it's the Hittites. Spoiler alert again, last warning. It's not. It's the neighbor chicks who are both just killing people. And then for no reason that's barely explained, the daughter of the neighbors turns out to be a man. Yeah, she's a man. Dun, dun, dun. It, 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 you find that out because Martha's looking around in the, in the attic or something and sees a painting of her and some dude with the face blacked out. And then she looks over and like, I didn't even put it together until they rip open the girl's shirt or the person's shirt. And it's obviously a woman wearing a... With her tits taped back and like you know, just wearing like a rubber, you know, shirt to look like a man's chest with abs, <laughs> like what very nice abs I might had, uh, you know, like she works out, he works out, whatever. I'm not sure her this person's pronouns in this movie because because we got a crying both. game, we got a crying game slash sleepaway camp storyline here that makes <laughs> no sense, I, I, but that's just the reason that she killed her his her Martha's husband to. Because she wants to marry her, even though she's a, a dude that has the head of a woman. I, it's it makes no sense. This movie is a mess, an absolute mess. So the whole time, like the trailer, everything makes you think it's the Hittites or the like. You know, their their religion is crazy. They're murdering people. They really push on that hard. They're not. They're good guys. 
they're just extremely religious good guys uh, in terms of like the, the narrative. But this movie is just – I'm just watching like what the – like the whole time scratching my head like what the fuck is happening? <laughs> None of this goes together. Uh, but anyway, and then at the very end, you know, uh, the uh, the person – what's her name? Was it Faith? No, that wasn't Faith. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Faith. I can't remember the name. Maybe it was Faith. It was the one they kept calling Incubus. Uh, and uh, anyway, the blonde. And then uh, so her and her mother are dead at the end. So, oh, everything's fine. We figured out who was killing everybody. Uh, Sharon Stone leaves. And along with, well, Vicky got, gets killed in a really random ass way that's hilarious. Uh, but I'll leave that for you if you watch the movie. Uh, and then basically, she, Martha's alone, like, okay, everything's over. She walks into her house, and then all of a sudden, she sees her husband's ghost, like, Martha, the incubus. And you're like, okay, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden, the floorboards erupt, and this, what looks like one of those inflatable, you know, the inflatable people things outside of used car dealerships to get your attention. Mm hmm. You know, the big it's a big fan pointed Blackie up and, and tape blows. Inflatable tube man. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> it looks like that pops out of the ground and like pulls her to hell. And then it's reverse footage and the floorboards just close. And that's the that's the movie. And I don't know I can't explain to you what happened. All I know is that this movie is a goddamn mess. And is I don't I don't know. It's not good. Don't watch it. It's. I was disappointed, knowing it's Wes Craven, early Wes Craven, but it's post Last House on the Left and post porno Wes Craven. So you know, it's got a couple of atmospheric parts. Don't get me wrong; you can see his talent at, at some point, but the writing, which he wrote it, not good. It's just, I guess it's just it's more so considered where it's at because of it being tied to Wes Craven. But one thing, the the biggest thing about this movie that's very interesting, and honestly, I guess it makes it worth watching, is this is eighty one. Nightmare is eighty four, I believe. So this is before Nightmare on Elm Street, but you see visually where he's going, and you also see, I'm going to use the term gag. It's not the right term, but you see some gags that he does in this film that he revisits in the Nightmare series for visual aesthetic like the scenes of Sharon Stone in the bed are very kind of reminiscent of how Nancy shot uh, the scene we're actually watching right now Jesse a visual cue on an audio podcast I know I'm sorry <laughs> where uh, the hands come out almost like from the like he's at the headboard almost through the wall much like Freddy is in Nightmare and then honestly the scariest the creepiest scene of this movie for me Martha's taking a bath and one of the women sneaks in and dumps some water moccasin in her bathtub and it's in there a good long time now, Jesse used to live in Louisiana. I grew up in Louisiana. I've had many interactions with water moccasins. You don't fuck with water moccasins. A water moccasin in my bathtub would absolutely terrify me. <laughs> and the way it's shot, the way it's done, it, it's creepy. It's like, oh shit! Like you know, this she would have been bit. She'd been dead. The way they shot it. But it, it like it, it's a good, effective scene. But much like Tarantino with shots of feet, Wes Craven likes shooting women. You know, from the faucet view of the bathtub. Through the legs, there you saw you saw a little clip of it right there. <laughs> uh, you know, which is an exact shot he reuses in Nightmare with the Freddy glove, albeit more, uh, albeit more iconically, in Nightmare. So yeah, this movie, you know, I guess it's worth watching once just to see like how you know Craven's evolution as a director. But as a movie, if you just want to watch it just to see it, like oh, I've wanted to see it for a long time. You're, I'm telling you right now, you're gonna be disappointed. 
However, if you go in managing your expectations because you trust me, you probably have a more enjoyable time. Get a beer, a couple of beers, and just have some fun kind of laughing at the plot and where it's going. And you'll probably have a good time with it, put it to you that way. But you'll never – this is not going to be one you're going to watch again. This is definitely low-tier Craven. There's a reason, honestly, that I never saw it before apparently now just because it's not good. And that's the bottom line because <laughs> Trey Code said so. So enough about that. Let's talk about the trivia of this movie. Now, uh, Wes Craven, which is funny, he actually compared working with Ernest Borgnine on this to John Carpenter using Donald Pleasance in the original Halloween because Borgnine was the first big-name actor that Craven had ever worked with because Last House on the Left was nobody of note at that time, obviously. Uh, and he was very intimidated by having such a venerable actor on set and having to direct, you know, being a, a, a very new director directing a, you know, a cinema icon at that time. So, which, uh, of course, John Carpenter said himself to it, you know, he was uh, heavily, like, nervous having uh, Pleasance on the set. Uh, and funny enough, how we I mentioned how the snake scene and the shot is reused in Nightmare, the whole scene of the t snake being in the tub actually came to Wes Craven in a dream. So very uh, new Nightmare-esque, so to speak, in terms of uh, the Freddy Demon uh, putting that in Craven's dream to then use to create Freddy to then lead to new nightmare. So you can call it a nightmare prequel. It takes place in the same universe. No, not really. Don't even, don't, don't watch this movie. Uh, anyway, Sharon Stone actually had an acting coach present on the set throughout the entire shooting of the film. So, uh, and honestly, like, sh like her acting in this film is like, you can, you can tell everybody else aside from Borgnine, who I think is, you know, again, I don't think he's a great let me say, I don't think he's an amazing actor. I think he's a good actor. Put it to you that way. He plays a very particular character very, very well. He's amazing in the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, but every other actor and actress in this film, aside from Sharon Stone and Ernest Borgnine, to me, are very daytime or soap opera kind of TV, television slash soap opera kind of actors in terms of you know just how they act, to be honest with you. You just kind of tell like there's a reason you don't really see a lot of these people or anything else. But to be honest, and not just – maybe it's because we know Sharon Stone gets popular, very, very popular. But her scenes – like she should have been the lead in this movie, in my opinion, based upon her acting skill in this film. Uh, and also she had an acting coach on set, so she was getting like pro tips and cheat codes through the entire production basically. <laughs> There's that kill I was talking about we're watching, that you're watching, Jesse, where just random – that's how that she dies. Car explodes. <laughs> uh, but actually – and uh. The one, one of the scenes, aside from the snake in the tub that this film is known for, is the spider dropping in Sharon Stone's mouth, which I did. I just was watching, like, oh, that's the shot from the, the VHS cover. So, But apparently it's considered famous, but I never heard of it. Anyway, uh, Craven tried to persuade Stone to do it by holding the creature himself, uh, but unconvinced, she actually requested that the spider's teeth be removed, despite crew knowledge that this would make it incredibly difficult for the spider to live they did it anyway, and Sharon Stone let the spider drop in her mouth for like a split second. You know, I'm, I'm not an actress or an actor, uh, but if I got a role on a movie and they said, okay, we're going to drop a spider in your mouth, my first question is, is it poisonous? And then when the answer is no, sure, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Long, long as your checks aren't made of rubber. <laughs> but that's just me. Now you tell me to get in a bathtub with a snake? Fuck off. Double my pay. Uh, anyway. 
But uh, so yeah, apparently one animal was harmed during the making of this movie. Mm. Uh, when Jeff East meets Susan Buckner in the town, uh, that's Vicky and Jeff. I think I think Jeff plays Jeff or John. Maybe I put the, there's too many J names in here. I might just put the wrong name. Uh, anyway, when they meet the movie theater before the scene, we just watched uh, Jesse where they die in the car. Uh, the movie on the marquee is Summer of Fear, which was a 1978 made-for-TV movie by Wes Craven. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Ernest Borgnine actually got injured while they were making this film. Uh, he had to be treated for a head injury involving a, quote, mishap involving a horse and buggy. However, he turned, returned to the set after a couple days and finished the movie. So you know, luckily he wasn't seriously injured. Uh, this is actually – the score in this movie is not too bad. I wouldn't say it's great or necessarily memorable, but it does its job. And it's by the late, great James Horner. This is one of six musical scores that he did for movies that were released in 1981. This dude did six scores just in 1981. Uh, let's see. The other mm. ones were uh, – let's see. Two of them were also – so three of them for horror movies, one being this one, the other being Wolfen, which is a book by Whitley Stryber, who also wrote Communion, and The Hand. So he did six scores in 1981, which is a lot of fucking music to write. Three of them were horror movies. So, but James Horner, of course, passed away in a plane crash a few years ago. Crying shame because I mean, one, I think he was one of the best composers we had. Uh, now everything just goes to Hans Zimmer, pretty much. It used to be kind of James Horner or Hans Zimmer were kind of the two big ones for most productions, it seemed at least. James Horner gets taken out. I ain't saying Hans Zimmer had something to do with it, but that motherfucker's rolling in money. He's getting every movie now. He's got Dune. He's doing all of them. Anyway, conspiracy theory over. Uh, <laughs> Ernest Borgnine coming into this film was an Academy Award-winning actor for uh, Marty in 1955. So 30 years later, a little less than 30 years later, he's doing this film. Uh, that was also his only ever Oscar nomination. But he was actually nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award for this film as supporting actor. But he lost it out to Steve Forrest for Mommy Dearest. So he didn't, he didn't end up taking home the Razzie, which I'm sure everybody except Holly Berry is cool with that, which – Seriously, Holly Berry showed up <laughs> to accept her Razzie. That's badass. Uh, anyway, two years prior to Sleepaway Camp, this film had the twist about the female killer being revealed to actually be a man. So anytime somebody says, yeah, Sleepaway Camp was like the first, nope. You can prove them wrong and say Deadly Blessing did it before it. Of course, Sleepaway Camp is absolutely more iconic and disturbing uh, than the reveal in this movie because when it happens in this movie you're just like what the f what what you like literally I'm just like what like, I'm like my first my first thought was like wow she's got like badass abs no <laughs> he's got badass abs it's just it's so badly done in this movie it's just the storytelling is not there it's all over the place but uh to compare to Sleepaway Camp of course I mean the iconic ending of Sleepaway Camp which if you haven't seen Sleepaway Camp I'm not going to give it away any more than I already have. But it is literally one of the most iconic shots in a horror film is that last shot. Uh, and disturbing, I'd say, too, of the original Sleepaway Camp. So score-wise, this film, I give it a four. It's not good. Uh, I, I can say with certainty every other movie that we are going to watch is better than this movie <laughs> for, Halloween, for this Halloween horror month. Uh, if I had to rank these movies, this one is going to be the bottom one. Absolutely. Uh, but I give it a four because, I mean, like I said, the good – you know, don't say something nice if you can't say anything at all is what Thumper said in Bambi. But you know, in terms of the good, the score is not terrible. It's not memorable either though, and that's a problem. The directing isn't bad, but it's still you – know, it's really good. It's, it, the coolest thing about it is knowing what he goes on to do and seeing 
that evolution. Like, like this is amateur hour in this movie, in my opinion, for Craven. And then a couple years later, he nails it with Nightmare. And then, of course, goes on to you know nail it again with Scream. Uh, you know, so I mean, his his place in horror history is well deserved, but this is not one of those feathers that should be in his cap, so to speak. So if you talk about Craven's films, don't bring this one up. <laughs> don't bring this one up. There's so much better that he's done, and and we'll go on to do after this one. But anyway, again, this released August fourteenth, nineteen eighty one, in the real world on August twenty fourth, ten days later. There was some other stuff before then, but this one was a little more uh, cooler to kind of place it in time. On August 24th, Mark David Chapman was sentenced to 20 years in, to life in prison after pleading guilty to murdering John Lennon in Manhattan eight months earlier, and he is still behind bars. And I think he was just up for parole earlier this year. I think actually, again, of course, denied, thankfully, because that motherfucker's crazy as shit, and we don't need him on the streets. But they did release Reagan's – or planning to release the would-be assassin of Ronald Reagan, John Hinckley. He's going to get out. So, uh… Okay. <laughs> a would-be assassin of the president is getting out of fucking jail. Yeah. Uh, leave him in there, in my opinion. My <laughs> opinion only. Uh, back to the future. Uh, a couple of movies. Uh, Jesse, anything uh, on your end? Anything new? Any games, board games, movies, TV nah, shows? I've been working. Too much work. I understand, my friend. But I saw, first of all, I saw Prisoners of the Ghostland, the latest Nicolas Cage epic Mm. Uh, let me say on this movie in one sentence. Nicolas Cage has bombs on his nuts. It's it's just it's very it's 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 imagine a sci-fi movie with a big budget and rated R, and that's this movie. But yeah, Nicolas Cage, uh, with his bombs on his nuts and other parts of his body too. But this movie is absolutely batshit crazy. It is it, this is a perfect Nicolas Cage movie for the <laughs> stereotypical and I guess. Uh, for the popular idea of Nicolas Cage, if that makes sense. In my opinion, if you look at Nicolas Cage's work, I think he's an amazing actor who does things, who's done some movies because he didn't care and he just wanted the money or he wanted to have fun, which I respect that. You know, uh, I mean, Nicolas Cage, a pig came out a few months ago where he's like looking for his pig. <laughs> you know, but that movie's really fucking good. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go. Uh, Willy's Wonderland, typical cage role, except he doesn't say a damn word in it. It's fucking great. Then you got this one. This is this is Nicolas Cage. This is uh, this, like I said, stereotypical slash public opinion Nicolas Cage crazy in this movie. So I highly recommend Prisoners of the Ghostland. You got samurais. You got uh, '90s style like gangs. Uh, you got Bill Mosley uh, hamming it up as uh, I think the governor or the mayor or something like that. One of those roles. Uh, and you got Nicolas Cage with a suit with bombs on his nuts. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm t there, there are so many parts of this movie where I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? But in a good way to where like I'm completely amused and laughing. Here's a perfect example. Uh, Nicolas Cage has a nice car in this movie. Apparently he like was a badass. Everybody's terrified, terrified of him. So you know you got that going. And they're like, okay, basically imagine this. This is the whole plot of this movie is Escape from New York. Like, you got this suit with these bombs on your nuts, your arms, and your legs, and your neck, and you're gonna go save my girl and bring her back here so I can keep power. So that's the plot in a nutshell. But then they pull out his car. He's like, all right, you got like three days. Go do it, Nick. And he gets in his car and he drives like ten feet. Then he stops his car and just jumps out and runs and gets on a bicycle and starts riding the bicycle away. 
And then we have this amazing shot of Nicolas Cage in this bomb suit riding a bicycle in the woods. And then the car, the samurai pulls up in a car in front of him, and he gets out of the car, throws the bicycle, or Cage throws the bicycle down. Then he gets in the car. Again, that makes no sense. It's like he was just fucking with him saying, I'm going to ride the bike. But it's done it's, – everything is done so seriously in this movie. And let me say this. The bombs on his body, some of them go off. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and it is legendary. I'm telling you, this movie is, is crazy. You have to understand – this isn't a you – know, the poster makes it look like it's going to be a badass fantasy movie. It's not. This is a hilarious – over the top, one hundred and a million percent movie, starring Nicolas Cage. So go into it like that. It's fucking great. It's so funny. It's 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 a truly fun movie. Uh, and also, you can see Nicolas Cage like fight samurai. It's it's badass. I'm tell- there's the bike scene. We just. Talk- <laughs> I'm telling you, this movie is great. It's 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 terrible. It's 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 uh, you know, I'll put it in the league of Deadly Game and uh. Uh, hard to get to Hawaii, kind of like that level of like this is stupid, but it's so fucking entertaining. It's great, and honestly, visually, the colors, great color palette, great cinematography, it's awesome. Watch it. Uh, the other movie I saw was The Protege with uh, the lovely Maggie Q and Batman Michael Keaton. Uh, skip it. It's stereo. That it's another stereotypical action movie. Uh, the action scenes are pretty good. The story is just kind of like you, everything is so predictable, 110%. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's not bad, but, you know, it's not like John Wick, Atomic Blonde level of amazing awesomeness. If you're looking for a. It's a 6.1 on IMDb, I'd say a 5. If you're just looking for an action movie to watch with. Oh, Samuel L.'s in it. And you can tell. He, I'm telling you, here's my theory about this movie. Samuel L. is like her uh, Maggie Q's mentor in this movie. You teach her to be an assassin, and then uh, that's like, getting, and then like you think he dies. Uh, but I'm telling you now, I honestly believe they hired Samuel L. But in his contract, he was just like, I want to show up, and whatever I'm wearing is what I'm wearing. <laughs> like I, I highly believe he just showed up, and they didn't even send him the costume. He just said, Hey, I only got one scene. I'm wearing this. Back the fuck off. I'm Samuel L. Jackson. Deservedly so, and that's what happened in this movie. And it's again, there's a lot of just random crap. I will give this movie props for one thing. There's a couple of things that they leave that they truly lead you to believe are gonna be like, okay, she's gonna do this. And they completely flip it on its head a couple of times, which is like, whoa! Surprise. There's a couple of I'm not gonna say shocking because I think it's a little too generous, but it does mix up a couple of things. But it's not it's a very I'd say it's a very 90s action movie. Like when you had a big run of like just forgettable action movies in the 90s, like uh, Heavy Rain, uh, Executive Measures, those kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hard Rain. That's a Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain's a video game. Yeah. Yeah, there's Samuel L. showing up in his just day clothes <laughs> uh, to sneak into a black tie event. He's wearing, you know, street clothes. <laughs> anyway, I say skip it. Watch Prisoners of Ghostland. I recommend it. Don't watch Deadly Blessing. So the, the main thing to remember for this film, or this episode, you should watch Prisoners of Ghostland with Nicolas Cage because it's fucking crazy. So that's the, that's the moral of this episode, everybody. But this uh, has no a, emails, but of course... This has oh, a better ahead, IMDb Jesse. score. I mean, if I, had to, if I had to watch all three of these movies again, the order I would watch them again would be Prisoners of Ghostland, Protégé, Deadly Blessing. <laughs> so... That, 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 that tells you all you need to know. But this movie, the 
protege, and it's directed by the director who did Goldeneye, so he's got an like he's got an eye for action. <laughs> mm. uh, sometimes I amaze even myself. Uh, not really, but anyway, no emails to report this week, so uh, our regulars get to writing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, where are they going to uh, send it? Of course, exactly. But I thank you for that perfect segue. Eighties mm. Revisited at gmail.com on Facebook. Eighties Revisited podcast on Instagram. Eight zero s underscore revisited. Check us out on there. But if you like us on Facebook or Instagram, you don't have to like us on both. I forgive you. Uh, but when I post on I post on Instagram specifically because Instagram seems to have the best uh, multi posting. If that makes yeah, if you understand yeah, what I'm saying, Twitter. I agree. It's easier to post on Instagram with one click and it sends it to Facebook and Twitter <laughs> yep. at the same time. And uh, also, don't message us on Twitter because I don't check the Twitter. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm t- I don't want to be that person. But I am that person. Fuck Twitter. I don't like Twitter. I don't get it. Instagram, Facebook, and all, and everything else is fine with me. But the hashtags, the ads, and then the random like, how am I tagged in this? But this has nothing to do. Like, I don't understand. And there I'm sorry. Kids. I'm sorry. I'm gonna be the old man yelling at clouds about Twitter. Don't like Twitter. Hit me up on Insta, us, us up on Instagram or uh, Facebook group or email. Any of those, totally fine. And as of course always. Our big shout-outs to our good friends. Of course, uh, John with the Cajun Toy Review did an excellent review of the new uh, NECA Frankenstein figure. Uh, really, if, you, if, you, if you're into action figures, he does a great job going over all the stuff using terms that I never even like, knew <laughs> about like you know, uh, the, uh, how figures are presented in the molds and all that kind of stuff. Cool stuff. Very interesting. Fun to watch, especially if you're – I mean I don't collect toys. Uh, I collect very few to like, kind of put into my display case or my bookshelf. Thematically, like I got Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. I do want the Universal Monsters ones to to go next to it, so I was watching those. But he does a very good job. So if you're in the toy collecting, check out Cajun Toy Review on YouTube. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Ben Wyatt with the Bam. He's he's on the Bamcast, but he's also better known as Doom Slayer. He's got a YouTube channel now. Uh, Ben, I think – let me see if I can pull it up real quick to plug it for you. Uh, Where he (laughs) – he plays – he was playing – I think – Correct me if I'm wrong, Ben, but I think it's Fire Pro Wrestling. The is the name of the game on PlayStation. Yeah, I think he uh, was just doing like a computer versus computer thing. Yeah, with his mat, where he, he had his characters in it. Yeah, was, yeah so uh, he should have like see. recorded one where you know the outcome was more beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> I had a blast with it though. But yeah. uh, El, El, uh, I'm, might be pronounced the 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 Hijo part, but El Hijo the Doom Slayer on YouTube. He does it in character. I find it great. Uh, so give it a give it a like there, give it a watch, and you know check out TCW Tasmanian Championship Wrestling. It's great. Ben's out there living his dream. Give him some support. Yep, they're selling out. That, so, was that selling out their uh, venues? Oh yeah. Yep, absolutely. Which is awesome. Uh, and then of course, like El Hijo to Doomslayer on Facebook, you can see some clips of some matches. Uh, and of course, if you've been following, if you if you know Ben as well, you know I mean he started this not too long ago, and he's. He's killing it. So very proud to be able to call him a friend, friend of the pod, and a friend of myself, and everything else. So keep keep it up. Yeah, getting tongue tied. Little heck of a case of cotton mouth here. <laughs> uh, that's a me myself and Irene reference, but uh, whatever. That's a '90s movie, so never mind. <laughs> anyway, at the expense of droning or uh, going on and on about nonsense, like I tend to do lately. I don't know. I, I guess I am just getting old. I don't know. You let me know. Everybody let me know. Can't stop the clock. (laughs) Yep. 
Anyway, we'll be back next week with a better Wes Craven film. Next week's film will be Hills Have Eyes Part 2. That's next. Uh, so, because uh, Of course, if you haven't seen the original, watch the original. Uh, it was in the 70s, so didn't count for this podcast. I almost did it above Nightmare 5 as the first film, so we could, so we could have them both covered, so to speak. Uh, but I figured it'd be, this is a perfect time to wrap up the Nightmare series in the 80s, which is why we did 5, as I mentioned that in the first one, the appetizer for this Crave-In menu. So the main course next week with Hills Have Eyes Part 2. But I highly suggest you watch the original uh, before you watch Part 2 if you're interested. If not, no worries. We'll be back after that with two more Craven films, and it's going to be a blast. So everybody, stay safe out there. Watch some horror movies. It's Halloween, but be sure to watch Hills Have Eyes Part 2. And until then, I will remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Oh, shit, there's a snake in the tub! This show and more on Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. Pods.